This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, July 11th, 2019, and my guest is no other than Christian DeLooper. Hi, Christian. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Awesome. You write for Digital Trends and... Also, another publication, right? Yeah, actually, I, I write for a bunch of publications. I, I freelance, actually. So, um, my main gig is Digital Trends. I do a lot of mobile stuff for them, a lot of, um, you know, news stuff for them. But I also write a bit for Tech Radar. Um, I do some e-commerce stuff for Business Insider and Forbes. That's who I was thinking of. A couple BI. other outlets as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just, you know, I uh, always somehow end up reading you on digital trends more than anywhere else. I have no idea oh, yeah. why that is. <laughs> uh, I, most of what I write is on digital trends. Okay. Well, that explains it then. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> well, so you saw the topics. There's a bunch of interesting news this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, a busy week. Yeah, right. So I am going to uh, transition right into that right now. Um the big, uh, the big thing I want to start with, it's not that big, but it's kind of interesting. And, you know, because we always talk about the flagship and the high-end phones, but Qualcomm launched a new Snapdragon chip, which is not a high-end Snapdragon chip, and it's the 215. Yeah, it's kind of like the successor to the 212, I guess. Um, yeah, interesting chip. It's uh, probably going to be in a bunch of low-end handsets over the next year or so, but it, it seems like it's got some pretty sweet features given, you know, the, the price that you'd expect it for the phones that it's going to be in, you know? So, I mean, you were there for the briefing, right? I was, I was on that call. I think you were too. Yeah. Did you, what did you think? What did you think stood out from you? Like in, in what do you think it's going to uh, enable on future, like hundred dollar ish phones? I guess, I guess the, the biggest thing is like pretty modest changes, but changes that will be helpful given the price that of the phones that it will be in you know what i mean so it's it's the first uh chip in the 200 series to allow for 1080p video recording which is cool yeah it's the first to allow for nfc payments so you'll get um google pay or whatever your preferred payment system is on android in in the lower end uh handsets um it's 64 bit as well which means that um, yeah yeah that was a big a deal lot right faster. yeah it is a big deal um it according to qualcomm this this chip will be 50% faster compared to the previous gen Snapdragon 212. And, and a lot of that is thanks to the fact that it's 64-bit compared to 32-bit, which is what the 212 was. Yeah, totally. I, I'm, I was excited with some of the imaging improvements I saw as well there. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's, we've seen a very clear um, migration of the imaging performance from flagship downward slowly, yeah. but it hasn't really reached quite as low as that yet and we're starting to see some features there with MediaTek as well I would like to add um, yeah, totally. that are really kind of like wow okay at that price point for those kind of phones that's pretty interesting yeah yeah and I think it's um, I believe it's the first in the 200 series to offer dual camera support as well which is kind of cool yeah dual rear camera just to be clear because obviously yeah yeah um, you want to be able to run them at the same time to do like that depth stuff. So that's uh, yep. what they're talking about when they say dual camera support. Yeah, no, I was excited. I think it's cool. I think Qualcomm's always doing some interesting thing. The 64-bit really got me interested. The, uh, you know, the imaging stuff and AI features um, and the price point. And we don't know, obviously, we don't know what the first phone is going to be with this device, but we're going to, they, they were, what was the pricing they were targeting? $80 to 150 roughly? Yeah, it was somewhere in that range. It was It was kind of, 
you know, they were a bit hazy on it, but <laughs> up to 150, I think, is what we'd probably expect for that kind of Yeah, and, and then for me, the only disappointment, uh, and I mean, it's a minor thing, but it, it maxes out at 720 displays, full H, uh, not full HD. So it doesn't do 1080p displays. And I thought that was a bit odd because even though at that price point, I guess 720 is good enough. And if you have a small enough screen, you still have pretty great resolution, like dot per inch, you know, density yeah. at 720p. But I was like, hmm. I would have liked to see a 1080p display on a support on that, just in case you want to do something, you know? Yeah, you know, you and I both spend, spend so much time talking about flagships that it's a bit shocking every time we see a phone with a 720p display. But yeah, you know, it, it would have been nice, but maybe next gen. I Snapdragon mean, 217 or whatever. I was kind of, I guess I kind of had assumed that we were there already, like that we yeah. were able to drive 1080p displays from anything. Yeah. Um, but I guess we're not quite there yet. And that's okay. You know, let's, yeah. like, the reality is this I recently reviewed uh, Moto's G7 yep. Power, the 5,000 milliamp hour monster beast uh, sure. that lasted me an entire three days of normal use. It was insane. Um, but it had it had no it had a Snapdragon six hundred series, which is a whole different ballgame. Right. But it had a seven twenty p display, and frankly, it wasn't horrible. Like it it was fine. Like I had it with the G seven non power, which is a ten eighty p display side by side, and yes, you could tell. I mean, I'm not a pixel peeper, you know, my eyesight isn't isn't that great, but. I just didn't feel like, even though on this, these are pretty big phones, with pretty big screens, they're six inch plus. Um, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So I think that, you know, if you're buying at that price point, why not just stick with 720p, right? Well, that, and I, I, I don't think most people will care. I think that most people buying a handset in this price range just want a reliable phone that's going to last a couple of years. And, you know, if, if you want a fancy display, you're going to save up more money and, and get it. And you know, I think I think it's fine. I would like to see 1080p on on those lower end handsets soon, but for now, it's it's not it's, too bad. It's gonna happen. We're, we're gonna get to the 1080p at the hundred dollar price point. I think it's it's coming. Yep. And I think it might be MediaTek driving that first. So that's uh, you know, and that's that's gonna matter for for the future uh, as Android evolves. It's gonna go more and more 64-bit. And you know, yep. we saw that with iOS, right? Remember when the was it the iPhone five? Or I think 5S. it was. It was in that range. It was yeah, one it of was... the early ones that had like that that new A A series chip at the time supported sixty yeah. four bit was a big feature, and we were all looking at just going sixty four bit on a phone. Why would you need that? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and now we're like, of course, right? Like, um, but I think Apple was very early in that assessment of going to sixty four bit on mobile, yeah. and. Um, you know, at the time we were like, well, do you really need to address this much memory? Does, does that... But right. it's not about that. It's just about general performance. And I think it's about it's about future proofing as well. I mean, it's nice to see that they're kind of moving towards that even in their lower end um, chipsets. And, you know, it, it's the right move. And another big thing is that it supports Android Go, which I think a lot of these lower end handsets will ship with. Um yeah, but will they? So this is my big my big gripe with Android Go is that Android Go, when it was announced, a big fanfare, and we had, you know, it sounded good on paper, but every Android Go phone I've used has been a terribly ugly, horrible experience. <laughs> In fact, I would argue that Alcatel launched Alcatel 1, whatever it was, the, the really cheap one uh, a yeah. couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was a Go phone, and it was crap. And then last year, this past year, they launched the the one, whatever it was, the replacement. And the price is pretty much the same. The specs are way better. And all of a sudden, this thing runs regular Android. And yeah, huh. it only has like two gigs of RAM or something. 
but it still works. And honestly, it works better than an Android Go phone in my experience. I don't know why we even need Android Go at this point. Fair enough. I mean, I haven't I haven't played around a lot with the Android Go phones, um, but I, I'd be interested to see how well it works over time, considering how much more lightweight Android Go is supposed to be compared to standard Android. I'd be interested to see performance um, at the one and a half year mark. You know what I mean? Right. The The bottom line is that it's not very usable. Sure. You can't run all the apps very well, right? Right, right. And so they've created some optimized apps, especially Google has for their ecosystem, which are definitely way faster and more streamlined on Android Go. Sure. But then, you know, your Instagrams and Facebooks and things you really need are not up. Well, Facebook has an Android Go version, but the things you really want and need that people are going to not want to sacrifice on Right. Just don't run well on Android Go because there's not enough RAM. In fact, they don't even install sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You're still going to get a kind of slow and crappier experience than, an, you know, even a mid-range phone with three to four gigs of RAM. But at least you can run the apps even if you have to maybe close all the other ones to run them. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of been my experience. And then again, sample size of one. It was only the Alcatel. <laughs> Nokia made yeah. some Android Go phones as well. And I don't know if they're any good. Because I've I never think the tested Nokia, I think the Nokia 2, which actually had the previous gen Snapdragon 212, um, it was an Android Go phone, if I recall correctly. Speaking of, by the way, as an aside for the audience who's listening, I'm finally getting a Nokia 9. It's shipped. Oh, there you go. Um, and I just want to say, people are going to say, what, Miriam? What are you talking about? You could have bought one like three months ago. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't buy phones, okay? So <laughs> I was waiting for a review unit and Nokia finally is indulging me with a device after months. About time. Well, look, it's <laughs> interesting because, you know, a lot of the reviewers, it turns out, that I thought would get got a review unit just went on bought one when it became available at Best Buy. Uh. Um, and I just didn't want to play that game. Uh, so the drawback is I'm not getting a new one. So I won't be able to do an unboxing video for folks that is like, you know, a clean new phone from scratch. I right. mean, it's a perfectly good condition phone from what I gather. I haven't seen it yet. But the reality is I'll be able to give you some thoughts and feedback on the experience of this camera system. And that's what I'm way overdue about because this has been a major imaging milestone yeah, this yeah. year. For better or for worse, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of criticism, uh, a lot of, um, you know, concerns around the imaging performance. But at least now I'll be able to speak with authority about it. And I just want to let you know that that's coming. Um, I'm going to have Steve Litchfield on the show in the next few weeks. He is, uh, I don't know if you know him, Christian, he's a UK-based uh, tech reviewer, journalist yeah. who has a long, long time experience with imaging, and we've known each other for a really long time. So we're going to be discussing that together, and so I just want to let you know it's coming. Uh, just don't expect to be a new device, and uh, yeah, it, it took a long time. I think for a little while there, I think they were ready to send me one about a month and a half ago, and then there was some snafus. <laughs> They had a unit for me, but then they sent it to someone else by accident. Then they didn't. Oh, man. And then they didn't have any anymore. And then, you know, finally it came down to look, Miriam, we, we, we've been trying to send you a new one because we know you like to do unboxings and your YouTube audience really likes the unboxings, but we're just not going to be able to. And if you, we can, we can make you wait further and not promise you a delivery date on a new one. Right. Or you, we can bite the bull and finally send you one that's been used before. And I was like, just send me one that's been used before. It's been too long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At least you'll be able to play around with it a little bit. Yeah, totally. So, hey, I, um, 
I'm not usually a person to kind of give people prime deals or like sales deals on the show, but I did find that you wrote a story on Digital Trends about Prime Day phone deals, and that's coming up. And I think that the podcast will be published in a day or two after this Thursday, the 11th that we are today. So it might coincide, actually. And I'm thinking, can you give us like the super short version? I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but the super, you know, quick version of that here on yeah. the show. So the super quick version is that we have no idea what the Prime Day smartphone deals will be yet because <laughs> they have not announced them. Uh. Um, the slightly drawn out version is that probably there will be some Android Prime exclusive phones. You know, those Android phones that ship with Alexa and Amazon apps built in, that kind of thing. Um, Samsung phones have been getting pretty heavy discounts on Amazon over the past few months. So, so maybe they'll announce something there. But right now you can get a Note 8 for like 400 bucks off or something which is pretty good um so yeah we expect kind of deals on those phones the moto g7 and g6 and you know they got a couple moto phones and lg phones that are amazon prime phones or whatever they're called so that's kind of what we expect but um no official word on that just yet <laughs> well i mean at least you're, you're giving us the lowdown that's all we really needed <laughs> so that's that's good news um i want to tell related to this i want to give the audience a, a kind of an exciting bit of news is that I now have a partnership with GearBest and I have some deals for you folks on some uh, devices that I think you're going to really, really enjoy. Um, There's a deal on the OnePlus 7, the regular 7, not the Pro, for $455.99 and a deal on the P30 Lite, so this is not the Pro or the P30 regular, for $299.99. If you're looking for these links, I don't want to spell them out here, Um, I will put them on my YouTube channel. So... um, Basically, all my GearBest stuff is going to YouTube. So uh, look for the OnePlus 7 video, the last one, and you'll see in the description there'll be a deal for OnePlus 7 for $455.99. And then look for the last video I did on the P30 and P30 Pro, and you'll see a link in there for $299.99 for P30 Lite. So if you're shopping for a deal this Prime Day and you want to support the podcast and support the YouTube channel, I know it's a little bit of hunting because you got to find the last OnePlus 7 Pro video and the last Huawei P30, P30 Pro video on my channel, but that maybe encourages you to go to the channel and get a really good deal. So that's that's what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm giving everybody a bit of love for Prime Day. Sounds worth it to me. <laughs> right on. So moving on, uh, there is some other stuff we've uh, we've kind of like discussed and put in the notes. Uh, let's pick something. You played around with the Xiaomi Mi 9T, right? Yeah, How, how's that's that? the one I was going to... I was wondering if we should jump in there. I just want to quickly say that I have one, I, and there'll be a link to my unboxing video. And honestly, I'm blown away by this thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of the software. I, I've already made this very clear on my Mi Mix 3 review, and prior to that on various other Xiaomi phones like the Poco phone, that I'm not a huge fan of their skinning. It's a little too heavy-handed for me, but man, yeah. the moment, the bang for your buck in terms of hardware that you get with this is like kind of unmatched, honestly. Is this the first phone with the Snapdragon 730? That is, as far as I know, or, the or first one of phone. them, at least. Yeah, it's definitely one of them, but it's possibly the first one. And uh, yeah, and so it's exciting because honestly, it's basically a you know in terms of performance slots right around the Snapdragon eight forty five last year's yeah. flagship. So yeah. as you know, the seven ten last year was the was an eight forty five detuned, 
Right. And the 855 got detuned to the 730. So yep. the 730 is kind of like basically running an 845 with, uh, you know, some stuff is worse, some stuff is better. Yeah. And for $350, this phone that's has- a, That's a pretty solid deal. A 4,000 milliamp hour battery, a Snapdragon 730 with six gigs of RAM. It has three cameras in the back, one of it, which is the Sony IMX- 582, which is, I'm going to say, what's that? How is that different from the legendary IMX586? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't support 4K video at 60 frames per second. Ah. That's it. Okay. It's the same sensor. It's kind of a slightly cheaper version of that sensor that apparently Sony, it's not even listed on on like Wikipedia in the IMX um, article. You know, there's an entire, like, if you guys haven't seen this yet, listeners, you really should do yourselves a favor and go to Wikipedia and check out type like Sony IMX. And there's an entire page that lists every IMX sensor ever made, what devices it's in and the specs. And if you're a nerd like me, you'll really dig it. It's kind of cool, including like, you know, Nikon cameras and stuff. And same with Snapdragon, like, and, and, and MediaTek. Like if you want to know, you know, what Snapdragon went in which phone, there is a list of all the Qualcomm chipsets and what phones they went into on Wikipedia. It's really cool. I use it a lot oh. for reference. Along the same lines, there's also a list of all the bands used by all the different carriers for LTE and 3G and all 5G and all that. Um, so you can kind of like go in there. Some little Oompa Loompas are constantly updating the stuff <laughs> behind the scenes. It's like magic. It seems like a great deal. I mean, I, I haven't been able to play around with it, but it, I, I was wondering, like, have you been able to take any any photos with it yet? No, I've used it. Yeah, I, I haven't posted anything yet. I'm kind of like accumulating a few photos before I can like start yeah. putting stuff on Instagram and comment on it. Sure. Uh, so three cameras in the back, uh, ultra wide angle, f over 2.4, I think it's a 13 or 12 megapixel. Then there's a tele two times optical, eight megapixel, f over 2.4. And then there is the main camera, which is 48 megapixel IMX582. And that one's f over 1.7. And it is not OIS. So that's another thing you have to understand. None of these three lenses have OIS. Now, of course, it doesn't matter for the ultra-wide, but for the main and especially the tele, it would have been nice, but they don't. But I mean, they do software stabilization to some extent because there's the ISP and the 730 Snapdragon supports it. Um, Honestly, I'm pretty happy with the results. It's not like... It's about, it feels to me like I'm using a OnePlus 7 Pro. Cool. Yeah. You know, like it, there's no stabilization. So in low light, it's a little more rough, rougher, but honestly, and it, I don't think it has a dedicated night mode either, but it has portrait and has everything. Honestly, 350, this phone is insane. And you know that they make, and at least in Russia, they make a Xiaomi Mi 9T Pro, which instead of the 730 has an Snapdragon 855 in it. Oh, wow. I did not know that. And it's slightly more expensive. But here's the kicker. You can buy these two phones from Redmi as well. The Redmi K20 is the Mi 9T. And the K20 Pro is the Mi 9T Pro. They are the same. They're just rebranded. They have the same specs and the same everything. Um, I actually should check right now by pulling out of my pocket to see if it has NFC. I think it does, which is kind of amazing. Let me just check. Um. Before I make an ass of myself, <laughs> I mean, see. even without it, for the for that kind of price, like there are few phones that that match that 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 spec sheet. It has NFC. 
Well, there you go. Even better. I mean, 350 for a Chinese phone with NFC, triple lens in the back, 4,000 milliamp hours, uh, Snapdragon 730 or 855 if you buy the more expensive Pro version. And here's the kicker. It's got a pop-up camera. Yeah, I saw and, that. And I mean, I don't remember the specs. It's 16 megapixel or 20 megapixel. It's not nothing to write home about. It takes fine selfies and nothing crazy. Sure. But it's cool because as it slides up and down, like the OnePlus, it has a light in it. Like it's got this blue LED light that kind of like glows around it. Oh, cool. Um As it slides up and slides down. And here's the kicker, Christian. You're going to love this. It's also the notification light. Oh, cool. So when, <laughs> when, you, get, when you get a notification... The basically the, the outline around the camera pod when it's retracted shines like like flashes blue. Yeah, it's very and, very. And then cool. you can see it at the at the top. Yeah, exactly. You have to do a, look at a bit of an angle because if you're staring at the phone straight down, you won't be able to necessarily notice. So that's one little thing. But I just like the idea that they did that. They went through that little bit of detail. The notification light is not dead yet. Yep. Also, it has a headphone jack. Solid. And it has, of course, USB-C. No wireless charging, though. Um, As I said, for the money, like, I'm willing to live with Xiaomi's very broken skin of Android to have that kind of hardware and performance. And it hasn't skipped a beat. It's been rock solid for me. So the other thing to keep in mind about this phone is, I think, I mean, it's not officially available in the US because Xiaomi is not officially available in the US, but it's relatively easy to find, just like the K20 and K20 Pro. That new Mi 90 Pro, however, is, I think, announced but not out yet. It's only going to be available in Russia. And ah. eventually, I'm sure we'll find it gray market. Um, but those are right now, I think, I would say the f- best bang for the buck of any phone I have ever used in terms of hardware. Like, yes, there's no OIS. And yes, you know, it's not water resistant. There's no wireless charging. But $350, folks. Yeah, that's that's a great deal. And here's the other thing. It's glass. It's not a fake glass bag. It's like metal and glass sandwich. They didn't sacrifice on materials like, you know, Vivo did on some of their cheaper, uh, super price sensitive phones. Um, and that was surprising to me. I was like, really, like, you don't, at this point, if it was an acrylic bag that looked like glass, I wouldn't right. even care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. At 350. And so when you think about it, I reviewed, you know, the, the 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 Moto G7, we just talked about the G7 Power. Now, the G7 Power is in the 250 range, but the G7, at least when it was announced, was about $300. And yeah, it's dropped in price because that's what Moto always does. They come out and then weeks later, it's like, you know, $50, $100 right. less. <laughs> so right now, it's not a good comparison. But initially, at the initial price point, you could have gotten a Moto G7 for 300 bucks. Uh, and surely with warranty and all that. But you could have then also paid $50 more to get a Xiaomi Mi 9T. Wow. More powerful, probably better camera, bigger battery. I mean, it's just better all no around, like other than yeah. software. And of course, the G7 does work on Verizon and Sprint, um, which right. is, and has a warranty, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, very exciting. I don't know if you have a chance to play with it. Have you used one at all? No, I have not had a chance to play with one yet, but I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one. You you should ping Xiaomi PR. They've been they seemed very eager to give them to everybody. Like okay. I I I mean I reached out asking for actually for a K20 Pro. The the version of that was a Snapdragon 855. Yeah. And they said we don't have those yet, but I can send you a consolation prize a Mi 9 Mi 9T. <laughs> and I was like, what is this mean? I've heard this Mi 9T. What is this? Like, and I didn't realize. I thought it was a completely different phone, but no, it's pretty much the same thing, which is why they offered it. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, 730, new, new chip? Yeah, by all means, send it my way. And I was just yeah, like, wow, yeah. this is freaking great. So I highly recommend this phone uh, after having it in my pocket for about a week. Like, wow, seriously, solid, solid. Yeah. Um, Note 10 and Pixel 4 rumors. We got a bunch of the ones here. Uh, so is this really a leak or did Samsung actually purposely post these photos of the Note 10? Oh, the jury's out on that one. Um, good question. We don't know. But, you know, I, I'm in two minds about these leaks. Um, not their authenticity, but rather how I feel about the Note 10 and the Pixel 4 at this point. <laughs> Do tell. I would like to hear. I think the the Note 10 looks like a solid device. I don't love the design. I think it, it you know, I, I like the big display. I like the hole punch cut out, that kind of thing. It just feels a lot more rectangular, kind of like those old Sony phones a bit. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. And I, I don't love that. Um, but okay. apart from that, it seems like a really solid phone. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a Note series phone. And yeah. I personally will admit that I do like this design. Yeah. I do like this squared off design. Not as extreme as like Razer or even Sony. Yeah. Although the newer Sony's are a little softer on the edges, like the Xperia 1, which I'm hoping to get a review in it soon, by the way, I've requested it. Yeah. Um, is kind of okay, not as offensive as the original slabby, right. you know, Sony's. Yeah, the newer and ones I do feel bad. that the Razer is too slabby. It's yeah. funny because I really like the ne Nextbit Robin, which you know, Razer acquired Nextbit. Right. And that's why their industrial design is it's kind of like Nextbit crossed with Razer. Like the colors of Razer, yeah, yeah. like the matte black design of Razer with the boxiness of the Nextbit. I didn't mind the boxiness on the Nextbit, but I, because I thought the colors were cool. But somehow the razor doesn't doesn't do it for me. But I have to say, so far, I, again, this is based on renders only. Yeah. But I am pretty excited about what I'm seeing about the Note 10. Now, of course, I know it's not going to have a headphone jack and blah blah blah. And there's some things that have changed that I wish hadn't changed. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to this rumor of a new camera that has three apertures. Yeah. Like f 1.5, 1.8, and 2.4. And that's. You know, overkill and crazy, but wow, like three apertures. I think that'll be like one of the big standout features, the camera. I mean, apart from, yeah. 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 So that's cool. Um, I also love how, you know, I kind of like the hole punch in the middle. It's funny because I've always thought the hole punch on the left or right was good because it kind of gets out of the way. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, maybe it was a novelty at the time, but I, I the hole punch was like, I, I like it. I think this is the way to go for a phone. Yeah. But and then- I I definitely prefer it in the middle. Definitely. I mean, compared to the left or but right. But it looks just... really hot in the middle like that, right? Yeah. Centered, nice and symmetrical. Oh, this isn't bad at all. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is there's so little bezel on this phone. It just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, they're taking and so, the screen to the next level there with the edge-to-edge uh, -edge yeah. display. And so for me, honestly, I can kind of live with maybe that more kind of squarish design just to get that. Right. Almost like real infinity design that they've been kind of talking about but not really achieving for years now. Yeah. And um, I want to be clear, I, I'm not saying it's an ugly phone by any means. I just don't no, no, I don't know. love the super rectangular super shape and, yeah, and the yeah. lack of, you know, rounded corners. I think I don't know. It it just looks a bit old to to me, but I, I get why people like it. I think it's gonna be different for Samsung, you know, like they've yeah. always been a little bit on the rounded side, and I think this kind of like marks a bit of a departure in the design language. And you know, it was getting a little stale there, I think. So yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I think the S10 series um 
felt very transitional. If you look at the designs we've seen of the Note 10 and then you look at the previous Note 9 yeah. and even the S9, you can really see a clear evolution towards uh, this boxier, I guess, design language for better or for worse. Yeah. So it's good to see Samsung experiment a little bit because a lot of people are going to have this phone. So Yeah. It'll be out pretty soon too. It's supposed to be out on August 7th or announced on August 7th. At, will you at be at the Unpacked. event in New York? Uh, I will not. No, I will not be. Okay, I'm going to be there. So those folks who um, are in New York City, uh, uh, let's uh, let's hang out. And then uh, the Pixel 4 rumors, what, what do you make of those? Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> um, the Pixel 4 rumors, uh, another case of me really not liking the design that much. I think Google is kind of... Um, they're a bit backwards at this point. They're kind of trying to be anti-Apple in some respects by not adopting the full-edged edge display. You know, they still got a forehead on there, all that kind of stuff. But they're not being anti-Apple because they got a square camera cutout on the back. Um, they've announced that officially. They they put some renders online a couple of weeks ago of the, of the back of the phone. Um, I think it's starting to look a little dated. I mean, the Pixel 3 was really uh, kind of taken down a notch. <laughs> literally because of yeah. the huge notch um and i think they kind of saw that and were like okay we, we can't do a huge notch so let's just go back to a forehead and i, I don't love that that seems like a cop-out to me yeah i think it's terrible I, I would honestly at this point why don't you balance it out like to do the pixel 2xl and put a bit of a chin at the bottom yeah make it look like you know the newbie um red magic 3 is like that you know it's a uh, 19.5 by 9 this aspect ratio but it still has front-facing speakers and it's very very balanced looking yeah this looks completely out of balance and i'd rather have a chin than a forehead and yes yes google we complained about the notch not because it was a notch because it was the biggest notch that's ever <laughs> notched okay <laughs> like yeah yeah it took up half the screen i mean I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Um, maybe these rumors are false. Maybe we'll just have to wait no, for the Pixel Five. I, I'm telling you, like based on last year, this is the real deal, and it's not looking good. And I'm just holding and out. Also, hope. <laughs> you know, it sounds like the rear camera is going to be the second one instead of an ultra wide, which is what I think everybody really wants. Yeah, it's going to be a tele lens. It looks like. Yeah. So that uh, is bad. Bad news. The idea of that is to help out with you know zoom but also portrait mode shots which google pixel phones are already pretty good at doing like i don't think anyone cares too much about better portrait mode but i think they they do care about wide angle <laughs> yeah i just wish the people the product managers at google need to listen like i just don't i mean they did listen they didn't give us a notch but like it's kind of almost like they're giving us the finger for like bitching yeah. about the notch last year yeah yeah and that's not appropriate behavior sorry and look, I'm a you know I I don't know if you know this Christian, but I'm a big Pixel Nexus fan. I always my oh, daily drive is always one of them. Yeah, and it's just because uh, it's I, I think a little bit. I keep joking about saying a little bit of it is Stockholm syndrome in a way. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, getting the updates, uh, getting the best Google experience is really important to me. Yeah. But um, I, I did not like the hardware this year. I I feel like the biggest gripe for me wasn't really. I mean, the notch was aesthetic, and I got over it. But the four gigs of RAM. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, probably, probably the Pixel 4 will be great to use and it will, the camera will be incredible and it'll have tons of really smart features and Google Assistant will be better than ever. But, you know, that doesn't mean yeah. that, you know, the design yeah. is great and, you know, we'll have to see. Well, I guess we can't assume that the performance will be good given given last year, but 
I, th- I think they will have learned from that. I hope so, and and I I just want more RAM. I I I'm gonna have to yeah. probably swallow my pride around the the chin. Sorry, the the forehead. Yeah. Uh, like I did around the the notch, but you know, give me hardware that will age well. That's all yeah. I want, Google. Yeah. You know, you're already launching this thing at the end of the year with the Snapdragon 855, right? And so it's gonna have to last an entire year. That's always the problem with the pixels, right? Well, it's going to have to last an entire year for us reviewers, but it's going to have to last at least two or three years for everyone else. And I, I don't know yeah. if it can do that. That is true. Yeah, and that's the challenge. I mean, the Pixel 2 is still holding its own. I have to say, I don't have one, but I, a lot of my friends do. They never upgrade to the 3. Yeah. They seem to be pretty happy still, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the listeners here are pretty uh, pretty tech savvy. They, I would say they're most of them update their phone every year. Okay. So, I think we're safe by saying that uh, that it'll last. Okay, it'll be okay for a year. Um, another, not a rumor, but kind of a something that came out of China. Um, Honor, the Huawei subsidiary, has been making a series of phones for a number of years now. Yeah, that have a number with X next to it, yeah. and it's it, they sold in the in Europe. Sorry, in in the US for a while. Like I think uh, the five X, six X, and seven X was sold in. Yeah, there was in, a bit in there. The U- yeah, in the US, the eight X last year didn't come to the US officially. Uh, it almost did, and then of course now there's a nine X, and it's going to launch apparently um, soon at the end of July. Yeah. Um, on the twenty third. Yeah. Sometime in somewhere in China. So this is China only for now. But it's interesting because that phone used to launch in like November and now last year it launched a little earlier, like September, and this year it's launching in July. So it's like they're pushing it forward. Right. And I liked, I honestly have always loved the um, the numbered X um, Honor phones. They're like more affordable. Yeah. Um, the only gripe I've always had with them, especially in the last couple of years, was lack of NFC and micro USB for charging. Right. And I had an 8X. Unfortunately, I only used it briefly because the 8X they sent me in October was um, not compatible with any LTE or 3G bands in the US. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to basically use it on Timo 2G, which was bad. Yeah, that's and no so fun. so thankfully, I was going to Taiwan for a, a work trip and I took it with me and put a SIM, uh, a Taiwanese SIM in there. And I was able to use it on 4G LTE for a few days and experience it as a really great little phone. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't give it much love on the podcast because it's hard to recommend a phone that doesn't support bands for half of my audience. Right. But hopefully this 9X is eventually available because it's supposedly coming with a new Kirin chip, the 800 series. Yeah, eight, um, Kirin 810, I think, is what it's Yeah, and it might support more bands. Um, the problem with the 700 series Kirin that the uh, 8X had was that, but, you know, you pretty much have to make multiple SKUs with multiple bands, un- unlike the Kirin 900 series phones right. that support all the bands out of the box. So, um, because these are chipsets with built-in LT modems just like Qualcomm does. Right. So this this will be interesting to see if it's because if it does then we can even buy gray market and you know it seems that with the relaxing of the Huawei rule recently although that's not been made official yet. No. Um I think we might see some uh we might be able to at least import Huawei and Honor phones via gray market without, you know, them getting stuck in FedEx limbo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what happened to Sasha PC Mag, who was on my show last week. If you haven't listened to last week's show, yeah. you should. There's a whole discussion about that. Yeah, it seems like a it, like it'll be a solid phone. I mean, the Kirin 810 um, will probably be comparable to the Snapdragon 730, which, as we've mentioned, is a great chip. 
Um, but it'll, it'll bring some premium features in, like, you know, it's got a dedicated NPU for AI and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think it'll be a good phone depending on how much it costs. Yeah, I mean, usually that phone's always been the two to $300 range. Again, obviously now yeah. that's being redefined by, yeah. primarily by Xiaomi and the BBK group, what a $300 phone can do, right? As yeah. we know from that Xiaomi Mi 9T and and other phones from, from Vivo and Oppo have been really competitive in terms of pricing, aggressive in terms of pricing. So um, we'll see how it goes. Um, another thing related to that, we I mentioned the Nubia Red Magic 3 earlier. I have an article coming up on uh, Android Police. I think it might be published by the time you hear this podcast. Oh, cool. That um, is basically like life with the the Red Magic 3 as a non-gaming phone. So I decided to oh, use wow. it. Like, because look, if you look at it, it's a $479 phone uh, that's officially available in the US with a warranty that yeah. uh, has a Snapdragon 855 and 8 gigs of RAM and a massive screen. And a decent and a Sony IMX586 in the back, a single camera in the back, but it's nonetheless a Sony IMX586. So my, my premise was and oh 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Jeez. Right. So my premise was like, what if you f- ignore the gaming stuff? Never even play a game on it. Never touch the, the shoulder buttons and worry about the fan controls and because there's a built-in fan. Yeah. And for a second, use that as a normal phone, like a like you would a flagship. Like and how does it fare? And so that's what that story, that article is about. And it's also kind of about the story of OnePlus kind of undercut everyone and right. has been right. for years to the point where now you can get basically a Galaxy S10 Plus kind of device with the OnePlus 7 Pro for $300 less, right? Yeah. List yeah. price. Yeah. Of course, you can buy the, the S10 Plus now at a discount, but it's still not going to be quite as low as the OnePlus 7 Pro. So my premise is what, you know, can we look at Nubia's gaming phone, even though it's a gaming phone, as kind of like doing to OnePlus what OnePlus is doing to everyone else, right? Undercutting by another $200. Right. Um, and some people will point out to me, well, Miriam, why bother with this Nubia when you just buy OnePlus 7 non-pro around the same price point? <laughs> and my answer to that is 90 hertz. This Nubia phone has a 90 hertz display. You know, I haven't I haven't used the Nubia phone. Is it is it big? Is it chunky? It's it's very big. It's a, it's basically the size of OnePlus Seven Pro, uh, but has about a half inch taller. Okay. And the reason for that is because the front facing speakers. The display size is is a, is a wash, but because the Nubia has two two front facing speakers, two little chin and forehead action. It's very small, but yeah. it's there. It makes the phone taller in terms of width and thickness. It's about the same as the OnePlus Seven Pro. Huh. It's a big phone. Yeah. Big phone. Big phone, but not not over the top but not crazy and so here's the thing you, know, you get a super fast phone like you get 90 hertz refresh on the entire ui and all apps yeah you get snapdragon 855 8 gigs of ram and you get battery life for days even at if you max out the performance it's like right you know 5000 milliamp hour will last you two day of super heavy cs kind of use you know yeah yeah and and so and then imx486 camera which although the software is the camera app is not the best camera app is still solid enough that it's very usable and very good. Doesn't have OIS, um, and the camera app is meh. But again, I, I installed a third-party camera app and you yeah. know added some of the functionality that was missing. I also there's a Google Google camera yeah. port from the Pixel available for it as well. That's a little buggy, but it does work. So I mean, the point is that that's kind of the premise why I wrote the article. I was like, well, 
what if, what if for a second you have less than $500 and you want to snap there an 855 and you want to have the fastest phone on the block and you want 90 hertz refresh, right? but you can't really afford a 7 Pro, you know, and you don't want to downgrade to the 7 because it doesn't have 90 hertz. So what do you do? And I was like, well, maybe you should look at that Nubia and it's been interesting, an experience. It seems like a great device, even for non-gamers. I mean, given the specs that you just mentioned and, and the price that it comes at, for, for people who are really into their display technology and they want that super smooth like experience and something that is going to perform well, I mean, you don't need to be a gamer to get a, a powerful phone just the way that you don't need to be a, a gamer to get a, a decent computer. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where I was going with that. And yeah, so over, over, overall, it'll, you'll see in the story, it's an interesting experience. There's a few things like, for example, the biggest thing that I, you know, it's big, it's a really big phone. So for some people, it's really not going to yeah. fly. Yeah. It's ugly because it's a gaming phone. It's got like that, that butch, macho, but right. cheap looking yeah. design. You know, it's not cheaply made. It's all metal and glass. It's really well made, but it's cheap looking yeah. and, you know, feels like that kind of gaudy design. But the biggest issue is no NFC. Ah. And it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> I, I can't believe there are still companies making phones that don't have NFC. Even even cheaper phones should have NFC. <laughs> I agree. I mean, Nokia was basically built on that premise back in the day. Remember that? Yeah. Every single phone of theirs had NFC. And I think today they still do. Yeah. Now that they're a completely different company with Android. But but that a Snapdragon 855 equipped phone would have saved 20 cents on an NFC chip and coil. Yeah. At manufacturing time, just blows my mind. Yeah, like I can kind of get it on the some of the you know G series Moto or whatever. Somehow that's my biggest gripe with Moto's G series over the years. Yeah, is that Moto? These are the phones destined for the U.S. It's kind of like the the mid market champion, right? Traditionally, the G series has been the phone we've looked at. Right about you know, getting the best bang for our buck in the US with a warranty that works on any network. And they've always not had NFC, but only in the US. If you buy a G7 abroad, it has freaking NFC. I know, I know. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. What? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean. What? It's, it's a feature that is so helpful here as, as well. Like it's helpful everywhere, but it blows my mind that even mid-range phones still don't have NFC. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the case with this Nubia. So if, if uh, like me, you use Android Pay everywhere, or Google Pay, sorry, everywhere, yeah. uh, you're going to be annoyed. But but still, okay, look, 479. Are you going to say, well, why should I, Why you, you went on about the Mi 9T. And I'm like, yeah, the Mi 9T True. is great, yeah. but cheaper, but it doesn't have an 855, number one. Number two, it's super skinned to death. Yeah. This Nubia has stock Android. Yeah. Now, it might not get the updates as fast as a Pixel, probably won't, but it's, you know, Android Pie unskinned at 90 hertz. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so smooth and fast. You put it side by side with the with the OnePlus 7 Pro and it's like, okay, like here's a $200 difference. Right. And it feels the same. Yeah. Like, wow. Right? Yeah. So that's why I was like, let's, let's, let's play that game and see... Uh, the game of not using a gaming phone <laughs> for yeah. gaming. And even, I mean, compared to the Mi 9T, it's, it's got a much better display as well. Like, the, the performance is one thing, but if you really yeah, your displays, so you're right. Then... I mean, the Mi, so the Mi 9T has a beautiful 1080p notchless, uh, holeless display. Sure. Uh, it's OLED. Um, but I have to say that the display on the, the Nubia, it's a bigger display, number one. It's 1080p as well, but it's a, it's a 90 hertz OLED and it's re like, it's bright enough in daylight. It's really good. Yeah. 
I'm surprised at that price point, honestly. I thought that was B1. I figured like they they removed two cameras and put in Sony IMX586 in there, but I was like, right. that's a great way to save money. But the display, I was like, ah, I don't know what they're going to do about that display because 90 hertz is one thing on paper, but it's a whole different experience when you look at the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So now we come on to some, to me, sad news, uh, but to some people, great news. <laughs> uh uh, I, I would like to see what you have to say about this. Uh, Apple made some changes to the MacBook, MacBook Air and MacBook Pro lineup yep. this week. And, you know, we're a mobile tech podcast, meaning we talk about mobile technologies that includes laptops, tablets, and, and ultra-portable computers. I'm a big fan of using my Macs. I also am a big fan of using Windows machines. As you know, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to that. I use Chromebooks as well. But yep. my, main fo- my main computers have always been Macs. So I'm recording right now this podcast here in Portland on my MacBook. Yep. Uh, when I record in San Francisco, I've got more of a permanent setup and I've got an iMac. But this is a 12-inch MacBook, the original, bought four years ago when it was announced. And it's been my battle axe, <laughs> road warrior computer for four years at all trade shows, all trips. Yep. And it has never let me down. The battery still runs perfectly fine. This thing is an absolute champ. Now, it's a a bit on the slow side, but I've learned to manage it in the sense that if I don't run too many tabs in any browser, I'm good to go. (laughs) And that's the trick. It's not a RAM limitation. It's more like the processor is like, especially mine doesn't, is not the second and third gen of that. It's the first gen and it hasn't really, it's a fanless processor, but it's a little underpowered and you feel it. You don't feel it really rendering video, actually. It's surprising. I do some video editing on it and it's fine. Wow. 1080p to be clear, sure. uh, but it's in, in, of course, you know, recording Audacity, all that stuff works great, but it's more like when you start having more than I'd say 10 tabs that things start falling apart. Um, but you learn to manage that. And honestly, the reason I'm sad is because I believe that it's my, this is my favorite Mac laptop form factor of all time. I've had all the small Macs. I had the 12 inch PowerBook G4 and I had the original MacBook Air with the little flap on the side. Yeah. Like I've suffered. I've, I've, I've gone through the pain of early adopter, bleeding edge Apple, smallest computer they make technology. But this is the best they've ever made in that, in that realm. And I don't think the, I think the sacrifices and performance have been well worth the portability and that the fact that they've completely removed that laptop from the lineup and then now the next computer app that you can buy is the air which is much bigger and heavier and thicker is a really really disappointing to me i see where you're coming from um i feel like we saw this coming from a mile away i mean the macbook hasn't really been updated that much in the past few years um true and i i feel like things got real hazy with whether you should buy a standard macbook or an air and you know, I'm I'm I have the air. I have the new the 2018 air, um, and I love it. It's it's not too chunky for me. It's not too big. It in fact, it's really light compared to my previous 15 inch Pro. Um, you know, I I think that um I I get it that some people might might want something a little bit lighter, but at the same time, considering iPad OS, maybe for those who want something lighter and um a bit you know lower powered, maybe an iPad is the is the right way to go. Um. Yeah, I agree with everything. I think that uh, it it makes perfect sense from simplifying the lineup perspective. Yeah. But I didn't actually didn't think they would drop it. I didn't think they would refresh it. I think they would let it linger like they did with the Mac Mini for a long time. Yeah. Until they made an ARM version. 
Yeah. That's what I thought would happen. Yeah. And I know they will make an ARM version. I think that this computer will reappear in a very similar ultra-thin, ultra-light, ultra-portable form factor as a real Mac running Mac OS on ARM in a year or two. It will really? happen because there are a lot of people who don't want an iPad at that size. I'm one of them. See, I... I don't think that'll happen. I think that they'll bring ARM to the airline, but I feel like if they were going to do that, then they would have let it linger for another year. Well, they or might so. do a twelve-inch Air that's you know much less bezel and much more small, much smaller footprint. Yeah. I do think the branding was wrong. Like I feel that why they ever called this the MacBook in the first place, I do not understand. Sure. Like, you know, they had the Air brand, and then they made something thinner and lighter than the Air, and they didn't differentiate. It by calling just MacBook. And now it, that's why the confusion came about for a lot of people. Do I buy a MacBook or do I buy an Air? Yeah. And I totally understand. Like if you're coming from a Mac Pro of any kind, any kind, the MacBook Air is a very, you're, you're sacrificing very little right. for for most applications. If you come from an older MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's perfectly viable. So I totally understand. I've played with one. I think it's a beautiful computer. I would totally buy one if I had to replace this. It's fine. Like I'd live with it. Yeah. But there was this... This amazing experience of super lightweight, super thin portability. Like this thing fits on a on an airplane tray, even in economy, and I can work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, sure. Whereas, um, because it's like the edge, the top edge, when the display is open, kind of touches the back of the seat in front of me. Yeah. But I'm still at an angle that I can use. I don't think I'll be able to use an air in an airplane. I have to push the tray table as close as I can to the seat in front of me. And uh, yeah, these are little things. And you're going to say, well, that's why you buy an iPad with maybe a bridge keyboard. Yeah. And it's, it's heavier. It's actually bigger. It's thicker. And I don't want the iPad experience. I, I'm not a fan of iOS. Uh, I think that iPad OS, the new, looks very promising. But I want, you know, be able to open a terminal, run scripts, have access to, yeah. you know, compilers and do the fun stuff I like to do. And for me, I need a desktop-like experience. And so, of course, you can buy these refurbed right now for a right. few more months. <laughs> Uh, don't panic. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit bummed because I feel like if they had an 11 inch air, I'd be fine. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, we're like not 11 inch, but you know, like what, what I think they should do is stretch the thir current 13 inch air to a 14 inch in the same chassis with less bezel. Okay. And then make a 12 inch version with a smaller chassis that is arm based and replaces the MacBook and it's called the MacBook air, uh, 12 inch. Like basically when they revamp the MacBook air, in two years, yeah. they'll be. I'm pretty sure they'll be ARM based, yep. and one will be bigger, like a similar size to the current Air, and they'll make a smaller version for those of us who want the small version. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Yeah, I could say that. And then that. the pros, the pros are just like monsters. They've always been amazing machines for a lot of people. So. Yeah, you know, I could see that. I, I mean, if they do do that, then it's they're basically bringing back the MacBook anyway, but with Air branding. And I could and that's definitely what I'm see thinking. that like, I'm not saying it coming back. Like I was thought, I thought they would leave this in the skew, uh, kind of buried in there until this Air refresh with the new scissor keyboard they've been talking about, and yep. then with the ARM based, and then all of a sudden we'd have two sizes of Air, and the small Air would be basically what we have in a MacBook today, yep. but way more efficient because of ARM. And and on the pro side, I want to add also they did some change to the pro lineup. Yep. They finally got rid of. Finally, actually, I'm also bummed by that. Yeah. <laughs> they got rid of the pro uh, escape, the 13 inch without the touchpad. Yep. Which I'm I hate the touchpad. I really don't like box. it. I don't want it. And I, I was really glad, even though they they kind of didn't update it for a long time, that there was a 13 pro 
that had no touchpad, even though it only had two USB-C ports, whereas the other ones have four USB-C ports. So now that laptop with two USB ports has has a touch bar as well and they've bumped the specs on it and it's available at a lower price point which is nice for everyone but apple why are you persisting with the touch bar we've all <laughs> made it clear we don't want it this is another thing that i agree with you on i do not love the touch bar either but i think we also saw this coming a mile away i was surprised that they kept it as long as they did honestly um but you know <laughs> I, I i mean for me it's like if you are if you if apple is serious about the touch bar then why don't we have iMacs with touch bar keyboards? True. And MacBook Airs. And MacBook Airs, right. So so to me, why did they get rid of the escape? What what needed to happen here in the Pro lineup was that this 13-inch entry-level Pro with two USB ports should have gotten a 10th generation or a 9th or 8th, whatever, like the latest that they could cram in their Intel chip, like the bigger brothers did. Yeah. And kept it as an escape, you know, function key, normal keyboard. That's what it, or maybe add to the, go to the four, four USB ports. Here's even a better idea, Apple. And I know you're not going to listen to me, but why don't you make every pro laptop you make, the MacBook Pros, all three of them available with or without touch bar as a BTO built to order. Yeah. That'd be great. I mean, to me- I would even pay extra for you to remove that. <laughs> to me, it all comes down to just line up differentiation i mean they people are confused about which macbook to buy and now there's no question about which macbook they should buy <laughs> but i agree i mean i i'm not a touch bar fan i like smaller thinner laptops it's it's frustrating for some of us but i think we also saw it coming yeah i mean look the ipad pro is definitely getting pretty awesome but it's yeah. still not what i need yeah. and right now i'm mourning yeah so please mourn with me, all of you who are mourning, because some of you are probably rejoicing. <laughs> it's okay. We can disagree. Um, but anyway, it's the end of a chapter, and uh, we have to move on. I mean, that's basically the reality. I know that I can buy a refurbished one if this one breaks or, or gets stolen yep. for a little while, and I will. I promise you I would buy a refurbished one right now. I know it makes it seems to make no sense when you look at the lineup, yeah. but I'll do it. Yeah. And then if I can't buy a refurbished one... I will buy a MacBook Air. Yeah, just wait a few years. 16 gigs of RAM and 512 gigs of storage. So it's not going to be a cheap Air. Yeah, that's a pricey Air. Yeah, right now I can buy, I looked at the refurbished 12-inch MacBooks and I can get the specs that I have right now, which is I have 8 gig 512 because they didn't make a 16 gig on the first gen. Right. I'd buy the 16 gig 512 and I would probably, it's about 1600 bucks refurb. So still a lot of money. A lot of money for a for an entry level laptop. Consider this: I bought this MacBook top of the line the day it came out uh, at a store in in person. I picked the best SKU they had, eight gigs, five twelve gigs, and it cost me seventeen ninety nine. Wow. Yep, I went there. <laughs> I did it. it. But like four years, I haven't upgraded my computer. Four years of every trade show, every trip, every airplane, everything. Like that's insane. Yeah, it sounds like a workhorse. I mean, with with video editing in there as well, that's that's pretty intense. Yep. And the battery's still ticking, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought by now I would have had to replace the battery, but nope. Yeah, or Apple would have made a program to replace it for you. Yeah, that's what they like to do, don't yeah. <laughs> Speaking of companies who make very vertically integrated products that rock the world, <laughs> we have another big piece of news this week because this is the Mobile Tech Podcast. And even though 
a lot of you know that my background is video games. I was a video game developer for 15 years. I made games professionally, and I did work on some gaming consoles that were mobile portable consoles, including the PlayStation Vita and the PlayStation Portable, the PSP. Yep. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually work on any. Nintendo portable games, um, but there's big news in gaming land this week with the introduction of the Nintendo Switch Lite, which is a Nintendo Switch optimized for mobile use. Yay, mobile tech podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is another one I'm kind of in two minds about. I have a Switch and I love it. I it's love great, it so much. It? I've played hours, countless hours of games on my Switch, but one of the reasons I love it is that I can use it anywhere, including in my living room, and you can't do that on the Switch Lite. Which you know, it's kind of a loss to me. I think they, I, I think they could have still made a dock for the Nintendo Switch Lite, but you know, they have not. I think I understand why they did it. It's very much like Apple, right? It's like this. Let's be super focused about this product being a mobile product because we don't want to cannibalize the sales of the Switch for t- for home use. Totally, and it's only a hundred dollar difference anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you know, here's the first thing I'm calling on it right now. Somebody will take it apart, <laughs> open it up, crack it open, and find like some traces on the motherboard where they can connect like a yeah. HDMI output, yeah. and like do a hack where you can connect an HDMI cable to it. Yeah. I'm calling it now. This will not require any software changes or anything like that. Yeah. It'll happen though. Yeah, but apart from that, I think it's. I think it looks like a great device. I mean, I think it kind of. Sp- I love the colors. I love the design. It's so iconic, so Nintendo. Their design language is so purely theirs. I love that about the it. The design is great. I think it uh, might spell the end of the 3DS, <laughs> um, though that it might be a few years before that happens. But yeah, yeah I think they said they were going to continue having them side by side. So I think they're just going to get rid of leftover stock at this point, yeah. at least. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. But, you know, if you have been wanting a, a Switch that's a little bit more portable, then, you know, it's it's going to be a great a great option. And it runs all the Switch games that you love as long as they work in handheld mode, and most of them do. So, you know. Yeah, so the other thing, you can't detach the controllers. No, but you can connect ex- other controllers. Um, in fact, for games that require four controllers, you can buy a pair of the, uh, whatever they're called. The Joy-Cons. The Joy-Cons and hook it up to the uh, the Switch Lite. Yeah. Um, so the Switch Lite has doesn't because it doesn't have removable controls. Also, doesn't have the infrared and rumble right um, yeah. system in it. That's true. So some games won't work and will require, which is why they made it possible for you to buy the the you know the 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 Joy Pads, whatever they're called, and right. and connect them wirelessly to the light so that you can play those games that require that functionality. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. And, you know, you get a slightly smaller display. It's 5.5 inches compared to the 6.2 on the on the normal Switch. But, yeah, like I said, it, all your favorite games are there. And I think that's it's really worth considering if you're into mobile gaming. Totally. And then 199 is really not bad. I mean, yeah. it's a full-on, essentially, like, you know, home-grade console in your hand yeah. with gr- the same battery life. Um the same hardware in terms of performance, they said that it runs exactly the same performance. Yeah. And you're looking at, you know, um, this going on sale for the holidays for probably $179 at, at special sales, you know? Yeah. So, like, wow, this is exciting. I think yeah. this is really good news. Yeah. I'm stoked about it. I, I think the Switch has been a great success story and... I kind of like it even better as a dedicated portable device, to be honest with you, because this is a mobile podcast. Right. I mean, it's it's a hundred dollars cheaper than the normal Switch, and you said it has the same performance. And but 
I, that is true, but I think they might be looking to bump the specs of the standard Switch as well. Yeah, for um, all we know, it's the same performance software limited. Yeah, and it's that's already true. running a faster chip. Yeah, there was a report, uh, I guess yesterday or the day before, something um, about Nintendo requesting with the FCC to change the SOC or the the processor in the original Switch. So it might get a little spec bump, but I don't really see Nintendo making a big deal about that. Um, no, I mean, remember, the, the audience is not a spec audience, right? No. And for and I think that's actually really good. Yeah. It, they really focus on the experience, which is really what should happen. So yeah. good news all around, folks. Well, um, what else is there? Did we cover everything? Do you have anything that you wanted to add? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think we covered all the major news of this week. Yeah, not a bad week. Like when I invited you to the show, like we hadn't heard about Apple yet. We hadn't heard about Nintendo yet. Nope. And I was like, mm, I'm going to have to go digging for some news <laughs> news in here. We're going to have like some rumors and there's going to be a rumor show. Yeah. And, you know, sure, I can pat a little bit by talking about my experience with, um, you know, the Xiaomi and stuff. Have you had <laughs> any device recently that you're kind of like kind of in love with that that is kind of like the latest t- toy you have and you're excited about? Um. Smartphones? No. <laughs> but I've had, I've been, I just got in the mail the V Motor Crossfade 2 wireless headphones and I Ooh. absolutely love them. I'm in love with those headphones. They're perfect, almost perfect wireless headphones for like using around the house. They're over ear, they're pretty comfortable. They've been out for quite a while. I want to be clear, they're not new, but <laughs> shout out but to those. That's why headphones. I asked. I wanted to know what your toy was. This is your toy right now. This is my toy right now. This is the yeah. thing that when you put it on your head right now, like you get to get excited. You're like, this oh, is yeah. awesome. I'm loving it. Yep. They sound great. Good for the price. Um, really worth considering. Yeah. Sweet. Well, cool. Listen, do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet, the various publications, but also your social media handles and all that? Sure. So um, I write for Digital Trends, as mentioned. Um, I also do some stuff for Tech Radar. You can check out some reviews. I do some TV reviews, that kind of thing. And um, I do e-commerce stuff for Business Insider and Forbes. So that's like kind of guides on things you might want to buy. Um, on Twitter, I'm at CDeLooper, uh, C-D-E-L-O-O-P-E-R. And on Instagram, it's at Christian DeLooper. And for all those ladies out there, Christian is taken as far as I know, but that yep, amazing taken. accent is Australian. <laughs> it's Australian. I, I'm told that I've lost it a little bit. I haven't lived in Australia since I was 14. I'm, I'm told whenever I go to Australia, I'm told that I have an American accent. And here I'm told that I have an Australian accent. So I don't know what to believe. Well, it's definitely a bit of a muted Australian accent, but it's, it's very charming. <laughs> I'll take it. So, um, yeah. Uh, everybody knows where to find me. I think uh, I'm at Tankgirl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character without the vowels. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. If you know, if you need to spell my name, uh, it's in the Twitter. Just look for it, Miriam Joar. And uh, I'm bringing that up because there's a YouTube channel that's a compliment to the show. I mentioned earlier, GearBest and I have partnered for some really good deals. If you want to get a really good deal on a OnePlus 7, or a P30 Lite, go to my YouTube channel and check out my OnePlus and Huawei videos. Uh, and the channel is youtube.com slash Miriam which is why I'm mentioning my full name. If you need to spell that, go to my Twitter, at Tinkgirl, look for the name, spell it out without the space in the middle, youtube.com slash Miriam uh, While you're there, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that little notification bell, like the videos. Uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, talk to me in the comments, of course. Um, and then finally, 
Of course, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. If you're joining this for the first time, you need to subscribe. There's an RSS feed at that URL. Uh, but also, all the major podcasting apps uh, have me uh, available. So Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, and of course, Spotify, which is, I think, what the large majority of people are using for podcasting these days. So check me out. Look for Mobile Tech Podcasts, and you should have no issues finding me. Uh, finally, I want to thank a sponsor, uh, Audible.com is our sponsor. They've been helping us out for a long time. And uh, we love them because I'm a big fan of books and I like to read. But unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read a physical book like a Kindle or a paper book. And uh, so I like to listen to them on my road trips when I commute between you know Portland and San Francisco in my Tesla, for example. It's great to have some audiobook action and Audible delivers. Uh, I love that a lot of the authors will actually read their own books. You know, if you're like a delivery driver or something and you're driving all day and you can't read but you want to read because you're a bookworm, check out Audible. And if you aren't already an Audible subscriber, I have a special deal for you. In the show notes, in the description for this podcast, you will find a link to get a 30-day free trial where you can keep one book at the end, even if you decide to, to cancel. In the process of clicking through there and becoming a member, you will support the podcast. So check it out. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you don't have your computer in front of you and you want to get that URL, that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It'll be down in the description in the show notes. So click through, check it out for a month. If you don't like it, you can cancel and keep a book, but you support the podcast. So we appreciate it. And we appreciate Audible for being a long time, long, long time. This is almost the beginning sponsor of the show. And Christian, I want to thank you for being on the show this week. It was really lovely to have you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You know what to do. Stay tuned till next week, folks. We'll have another show then. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.